0: This might be the best quarterback draft class in years, and we have huge franchises like Chicago, New England, and Washington with a ton on the line. My name is Craig Horlbeck, and I host the Ringer NFL Draft Show with Danny Kelly, Ben Solak, and Danny Heifetz. We cover trades, free agency, the draft, obviously, everything. We'll tell you all about which quarterbacks are going to be good, which quarterbacks are going to be bad, like Kenny Pickett, and if there's a diamond in the rough like Brock Purdy. Follow us at the Ringer NFL Draft Show on Spotify. Welcome to the Friday edition of the Ringer Gambling Show, joined as always by my good friend, my buddy, my gambling pal, House. And House, we are going to be talking a little bit today about the Super Bowl. The table has been laid for us. We still got over a week to go, but there's a lot of prop bets out there. We obviously want to talk about the game, the spread, the total how things have moved since the open and of course start to dive into the matchup a little bit. Uh, I'll set the table for you. The total right now is sitting at 47 and a half and the Kansas City Chiefs over at FanDuel right now are catching two and a half points as the underdog. I will note that's the high number in the market for the San Francisco 49ers. They are laying two at most other shops. That number has been on the move, obviously, since the open. Uh, it, it opened higher, got all the way down. Uh, down to one, one and a half, and then was bet back up to two. And obviously at FanDuel, two and a half, taking some money on the 49ers since it got bet initially towards Kansas City. How are you feeling about the line movement thus far in this Super Bowl? How do you feel about the fact that, I guess the bottom line is that the 49ers are favored and then that the line is moving in their favor towards two and a half, and will we see a three potentially come back? Well,
1: how, how I feel is confused because okay. I don't understand this line, and I'm hoping that you can shed some light on it. The team with the better head coach and the better uh, quarterback and the better defense and the better wins over these playoffs is the underdog. And not only... Is it the sample size of what we've seen this season? This is the Kansas City Chiefs' fourth trip to the Super Bowl in five years. By contradistinction, what we've seen out of the San Francisco 49ers since Christmas, they have one good win, which was beating the Commanders 27-10. I They didn't cover at home against the Green Bay Packers, and they didn't cover at home against the Detroit Lions, and they got their rear ends handed to them on Christmas in front of a massive audience by the Baltimore Ravens. So I know what informs the math that goes into how the number is constructed and what the goals uh, of the, the bookmakers are in terms of setting a line and attracting money on both sides. I know that uh, a neutral field, you know, most models would have had San Francisco installed at a much higher number, except for the performance of, of Kansas city um, in these playoffs and most directly against the Ravens. But the reality of these two teams and how they come in here to me, I, I don't understand how San Francisco is, is favored
0: sharp. So Obviously, they opened this number, and it immediately took that KC money. And I, I sort of understood that the line dropped a little bit lower. We did see there were some sharp bettors that then were betting Kansas City at you know on the money line, catching some some juice. They were betting them at plus one or one and a half. Um, I'm trying to figure out the optimal time to look to bet the Chiefs. Actually, if you're looking to bet the Chiefs. I would be a bit surprised if this thing got back up to three. That being said, one point that I want to make and just throw out there is we saw a lot of guys come in last week and bet the Kansas City Chiefs at plus three. Oh my God, this is a gift, you know, getting three, oh, getting three and a half for sure. This is a gift against the Baltimore Ravens. And then the line moves higher and the line moves goes to four and it's like, okay, Hey, let's get a little bit more at plus four, but this, 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 this is the peak. It's got to be the peak. Then it goes to four and a half and nobody thought it was going to go to four and a half. And then it even goes to five. And what I have seen fairly frequently from people that are capable of moving the market to that level, right? Putting that much money down. This was a bet in one of two cases. It was either a bet on the Ravens or it was a bet against the Chiefs. Now, it could have been a little bit of both, but the bottom line was money was coming in against the Chiefs, very strong, sharp money was coming in against the Kansas City Chiefs last week to the point that nobody really saw or had any expectation that the line would move as high as it did Who's to say that those same people don't feel like they were somewhat robbed by the idiotic play calling of the Baltimore Ravens by their dumbass offensive coordinator who refused to call any runs? Um, you, you had Zay Flowers fumble at the one inch line. If that thing is a touchdown, who knows? Even if the bad play calling exists, maybe the Baltimore Ravens actually win that game. Instead, the Baltimore Ravens lose the game. The Kansas City Chiefs are here. Maybe those same people feel like this Kansas City Chiefs team, especially the way that they play football in the second half of games, they are not as good of a team overall as the Niners. And the Niners are more equipped to play a full four-quarter game against these guys and, and beat them. And so this line might get bet with more San Francisco 49ers money further down the road. That's what makes it so interesting and tricky to decide because I don't think anybody saw this strong line movement last week coming.
1: So I have a rebuttal and a question. When's the last time we saw San Francisco play four quarters of superior football against a quality football team? And, you know, again, it is small sample size, but what the AFC North did to the Niners over the course of the season, right? The Niners started the season by, uh, you know, motorboating the Steelers. But each of the next three games against the AFC North, um, you know, Purdy had 11 interceptions this season. Seven of those 11 interceptions came against the AFC North. So when I try and size up the body of work, what was the 49ers' best win this, this season? Like, like, was it the Dallas win? Was it that the the Eagles win? It just is the body of work. Now, I understand the way that the numbers work, the the efficiency that they displayed on offense, the the uh, multi-varied approach on offense that they have. Um, But since Week 10, when their safety, Hufunga, went out, it's been an extraordinarily mediocre defense. And we watch that mediocrity in these playoffs Against Detroit and against Green Bay. Now the Chiefs are a different animal altogether, offensively, um, than, than Detroit or Green Bay, both of whom were were prolific um, scorers in stretches. But on on balance, to me, in terms of like trying to suss out the best time, I, I would say like right now, the number uh, of get the Chiefs at two and a half and grabbing some of the money line. Now, because this is the question. What do you think the impact on the market's going to be if the Swift money starts coming in? If the general public, it's going to be Thursday a week from today, a week from you know, Friday, Saturday, and the folks that are going to be tuning into this game, that there's legal betting books all across America on your phone, and the Swifties get a hold of wanting to get a taste on on the on the Chiefs. Do you think that's going to move the number or will it not be in a sufficient quantity to move the number?
0: Buddy, I, I got to tell you, it's hard to underestimate the amount of Swifties that exists. I mean, like it, they're everywhere and, and it spreads, no offense, <laughs> but like it's a, it's a virus, like they're all over the place. The ne- So like it's hard to understate how many of those people might be willing to throw down 15 20 50 dollars right. on this game yes. and and I don't disagree with you uh, the public definitely has their ability to state their feeling on big games like this and they do impact the number when you start accumulating all of those 20 30 50 dollar bets um that are that are out there. so for certain um I think that there could be some impact of that down the road. But this is unprecedented, right? So I have no idea exactly how it's going to impact the marketplace uh, because we've never seen something like this before. But um, definitely they're out there in droves and they have the ability In, in most weeks, I would say probably not as much, but in a game like this, they absolutely do. Oh, my betting buddies. Happy Super Bowl
1: to all who celebrate from FanDuel. America's number one sports book. If you are like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch. All of my favorite football snacks. We're talking about a buffet to honor the Super Bowl in Vegas this year. And of course, placing some super bets. I am on these shows talking about how much I like the Kansas City Chiefs as a side catching the points on the money line. There are some wonderful props out there as well. I like the props favoring San Francisco on the ground. That's the way that you beat the Chiefs defense. You have to run Purdy uh, over 11 and a half yards. McCaffrey over 18 and a half carries. Those are props available on the FanDuel right now. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only... Can you bet on who's going to win Super Bowl 58? But, of course, FanDuel also has bets for which players are going to score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. If you are new to FanDuel, join today, and you will get $200 in bonus bets when you win your first $5 bet. Just visit fanduel.com gamblers that's fanduel.com slash g a m b l e r s to sign up. Make every moment more with Fanduel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Quick disclaimer you must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, you can call 1 800 GAMBLER or visit the ringer.com slash R G. first deposit required. Bonus is issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com.
0: Now, I know that you have been getting some some money down. I want to talk to you a little bit about what you're betting, how you're betting it, whether side total props as well. But first, I want to throw out a few different storylines, a few different um kind of things that I'm uncovering in my research. I'm on page thirty three of what's probably going to be over fifty pages about the Super Bowl, breaking down every aspect of this game. And the reason that, for especially for a matchup like this, I feel so compelled to dive into all the nitty-gritty cracks and crevices is because I just think it's such an even battle, right? I think that these two teams are so fascinating. It's going to come down to a small thing, and I don't want to feel like I didn't account for something or didn't spend enough time looking at something. So for a normal week, obviously, when there's 16 games being played, I don't have the luxury of going to this level of detail. The other factor here why I'm spending a lot of time researching is because there's hundreds and hundreds of props. Most of these aren't normally available. And so there's opportunities, especially because not only are there hundreds of props, you can bet larger sums of money on them and you can they're more widely available. And so... Um, there's just better opportunities to delve into the prop market. Now, the prop market's sharper now than it ever has been, uh, just with the number of people that are getting involved and with how early they post the numbers. Uh, so it's important for me to focus on everything. So let's just talk about big picture. I want to walk through these things with you one at a time, get your take on them, and then we'll talk a little bit about some of the bets and we'll get out of here. Uh, the first one we've talked about, you know, well, how is this team, you mentioned it, the Patrick Mahomes aspect of this the Chiefs have the better player and probably the better head coach. Now, I say head coach because um, I believe he is the better head coach. Kyle Shanahan, to me, from an offensive mind perspective, I love the way that Kyle Shanahan approaches the game from an offensive mind perspective. And I think a lot of his play designs are absolutely incredible, not to say Andy Reid's aren't. But certainly there are times, and Andy Reid has been guilty of this a lot in his career earlier, uh, that Kyle Shanahan just like has brain farts, makes the wrong decisions in key moments of the game. So that falls on him as a head coach. I think that's a negative in his column. Uh, I think Andy Reid is the better overall coach. But you do have this team in the Kansas City Chiefs that have the number one biggest cap hit at quarterback in the NFL. No team has a player that's hitting the cap for as much as Patrick Mahomes is hitting the cap at $37 million. Meanwhile, on the 49ers, Brock Purdy, is quarterback 67. He's hitting the cap for less than $900,000. It's insane the exact opposites. The, di- the These guys are diametrically opposed here. Brock Purdy is cheaper this year than Logan Woodside, than Sam Ellinger, than Skylar Thompson, than Easton Stick, just to name a few. It's, it's incredible. But it goes beyond just the quarterback. Not only is Purdy cheap as hell, When Christian McCaffrey signed to the 49ers, they added multiple void years at the end of his contract. As a result, his 2023 cap hit is only $3.4 million. That's running back 18. So they got McCaffrey like... At a running back 18, they got Purdy at quarterback 67. And these are like the engines of their offense, right? You could say Debo, you could say Ayuk, you could say Kittle. All those guys are important. Obviously, Trent Williams at left tackle is vital as well. And we know what happens when when he goes out. Uh, But in terms of guys that are touching the ball throughout the game, Nobody on offense has more impact other than Trent Williams than these two guys. And they are both playing at a level much, much, much higher than what they're being compensated for. And that has always been the key. We talk about how teams with cheap quarterbacks on rookie deals get to the Super Bowl very frequently. And that's true. But the way that they, the reason that they are getting to the Super Bowl is not just because it's a cheap quarterback on a rookie deal. It's any quarterback who is delivering performance far and above what he's being compensated for. Those are the skeleton key hacks. Most of the time it comes from a quarterback on a rookie deal. In years past though, House, it sometimes come from like Tom Brady, who was taking lesser money than he could have commanded on the open market to stay in New England, still being paid pretty well, obviously had a, a wife who was making a ton of money as well. And and he was taking a little bit less than he could have commanded so that they could get a lot more free agents and other guys on the roster. And that was one of the reasons that this team was so good for so many years, beyond just Brady's brilliance. But when we talk about these two things, like the 49ers have a deeper roster. They have a more well rounded roster from a dollar perspective because they can afford to spend everywhere. Whereas the Chiefs have to spend on the quarterback. So where they've had to have their success is twofold. Number one, good drafting. They've had to bring it, they've had to be able to hit players in the draft because they don't have as much money in free agency to bring guys on. But secondarily, it's the coaching. And it's easy to just pinpoint Andy Reid and say, well, Andy Reid's a genius and Patrick Mahomes and these two work together and a, co- a QB and his play caller, they're connected hip to hip. It's so nice that Mahomes is able to have a guy like Reid who understands him and calls aggressive offense. All of that is true. But let's not forget the defensive coach here, Steve Spagnolo, who is Absolutely elite at what he does and the way that he's able to devise game plans. And I just think back to the game plan he devised in 2007 to dethrone the undefeated Patriots in the Super Bowl. He was the Giants defensive coordinator that year. Um, what he was able to do, uh, I think, against the Philadelphia Eagles, like, well, let's let's push that off to the side. Let's push that off to the side. I'm going to take that one in a moment. But what do you think here, House, about kind of the way that these two teams are built and do you think that it, maybe this is part of the reason why the San Francisco 49ers have the uh, are viewed as a better team overall is because they do have deeper roster, better players in general because of the cap hits that they're allocating to McCaffrey and to Purdy as compared to the massive one that the Chiefs are allocating to Mahomes.
1: It's such a great angle uh, and I enjoyed like you know sort of thinking it through as you were you were going through it. It made me immediately go to the conundrum that the Chicago Bears are are confronted with with the number one overall pick because you you use that term skeleton key. It's exactly why, even though I, I don't necessarily agree with it, I think they're going to trade Justin Fields and they're going to use that number one pick on uh, Caleb Williams because if he's ready right away the way that, that CJ, even if he's only 90% of CJ Stroud, what that team is ready the bears are ready the bears what we saw from their defense um over the latter half of, of the season so i understand exactly the point that you're making and obviously i think you you are right that um the depth of the niners on both sides of the ball um has to have uh an impact on the the handicap and partly why the niners all season long um you know have have been in this position they've been Favored to be, uh, you know, to win the Super Bowl for a long time uh, over the these last several weeks, we as we handicapped different matchups, they were always going to be favored over the Chiefs. The one name that you didn't mention, coaching wise, is Steve Wilkes, and I think that that in particular is a dramatic advantage for the Chiefs. Dramatic, what we've seen out of this Niners defense their inability to adjust their inability to respond i mean good for the niners that they uh, earned home field advantage over the course of the season and were able to you know find ways to win both of those games against green bay and detroit but man we we watched those games both those teams snatched defeat from the jaws of victory special team mistakes crucial fumble by gibbs a rookie you know, at, at, that was the highest leverage play of the game. That that changed the win probability the most of, of any single play. Um, so I understand how the construction of those teams, the depth of the Niners in particular. And look, we're giving all of these hosannas to the Chiefs. A lot of the discourse this year was, what the hell is wrong with the Chiefs? What's wrong with the Chiefs offense? Yeah. What's going on with Mahomes? These
0: receivers stink, right? And that's that's it plays in perfectly to my second storyline is how this these two teams are so different in terms of what we think of them uh, and the paths that they have taken to get to this point. The one follow-up that I'll add is you're right about Wilkes, especially because think about who the 49ers on the defensive side of the football have cycled through in the last few years. Robert Sala, then it was D'Amico Ryans, and now it's Steve Wilkes. Like, you're getting rid of some very talented, defensive-minded coaches there. You can't just replace them like that with with everybody, right? Like they, they, You just don't have as much talent there to replace the next man up with. And so... um we we saw how the Houston Texans defense was so good with D'Amico and Salah's been great on the defensive side of the football in New York with the Jets. Uh, the difference continues. You know, we talked about the difference of these two teams in terms of construction and salary cap and roster personnel. Let's talk about the journeys of these two teams and how different they are. Uh, usually, we're sitting here, House. We're talking about a Kansas City Chiefs team that has made the Super Bowl. It was a team that has been setting records offensively. Number one offense in the NFL. We've been praising them all year long. They had a first round bye um, and they got to this point and we've just gotten very difficult. It's very difficult to say anything negative about their offense. It's normally discussions about their defense. It couldn't be more different this season talking about the Chiefs. Um, Not only is their offense nowhere near what their offense has been in years past, uh, and we've been much more critical of them. So it's had to, it's kind of, in my opinion, galvanized them a little bit. Like, they've been defensive. They've been, you know, just on eggshells all season, like, thinking about how they're getting ripped and how they might be losing some games because their offense isn't perfect. And so they've had to go through those trials and tribulations. It's definitely... I think in my opinion galvanized them as they've gone through this this season on this journey. The other thing that's different, it started before the season even began, House. Um we talked about it in the off-season. I wrote about it in the off-season, but the Kansas City Chiefs were the team that was hurt most by the NFL schedule makers when they lined the schedule. We know who you play is predetermined, but when you play these opponents is 100% the NFL's decision to where they're gonna put you and how they're gonna put you there off of how many days of rest. And the Chiefs had a net rest edge of negative 13, which was the third worst in the NFL this season. It's not just that they had less rest in general, and it was much worse rest than what they had in 2022 or in prior years but they had less rest than their opponent for six straight weeks from week 12 to week 17. They were playing every single game consistently with less rest than their opponent. They were at a total of 20 days negative net rest from week 12 to the end of the season. They had, their bye was week 10. Think about it, their bye was week 10. That wasn't just a regular buy. They weren't playing the Denver Broncos and then went on a bye week. They were playing over in Germany. They had right. to get back from Germany, and so their buy was already interrupted with that. Then f- that buy, they have not had a single week off until this very week. Uh They've played three straight playoff games, where you know normally in years past they have a first round buy. They didn't get a first round buy. They had to play in the playoffs. Uh, They've played three straight teams. The Dolphins, the Bills and the Ravens. Great offenses, great defenses aside from some injuries. Um, they've been made an underdog for their third straight game now. This is just a team that has taken a dramatically different path than anything they've had to do in years past with all these difficult opponents at rest disadvantages. And I just think house the bye week is going to hit differently for the. 49ers, then the Chiefs. I think for the Chiefs, this is just like, oh my God, we needed this. For the 49ers, look, they had a buy. They, they basically rested their guys week 18. They had a total buy week 19 uh, and then in the wildcard game. And then they play two teams from the NFC North, the Packers and the Lions, which I mean, they're they're, they're fine, good teams. They're upstart teams. You know, they're teams that like the the future, the better future, especially with Ben Johnson sticking around, might be in front of them. They're not like primed to take over everything right now. Like teams like the Bills were, or the Ravens were, who were built to win this year right now, who we were talking about before the season even started as being like top five elite teams to win the Super Bowl this year. The, the Lions and the Packers were not in that type of conversation. So just the journey that the... Chiefs have had to undergo to get to this point in time and then this bye week, I just think it's going to hit them a little bit differently. Any thoughts on the, the again, the just very stark differences and contrast between the journeys that both of these teams have taken to get to this point?
1: Well, that, that, it's another um, awesome uh, observation. It's a funny way to put it. It hits them differently. What, what I would say is uh, this is business as usual. This team goes to the Super Bowl every year. Four out of the last five years. they So they know exactly. They're on a schedule. There isn't anything for this Kansas City Chiefs team that feels out of the ordinary, right? They don't have to do crazy stuff to try and, and you know, build in what their game plan is going to be and, and, like, the life logistics. They're used to it. They're vets. It's a veteran Super Bowl team. So, you know, as I kind of slice... And dice for sure. It's the case that this team can can use the rest if they get Willie Gay back. If this and and if they get Joe Tooney back as a result of this extra week, um, you know. And I know that the both of those guys are are questionable. Tooney, I think
0: Gay's here, but Tooney, I would be sh- I would be very yeah, surprised. But yeah, we'll see. it looks
1: like he right exactly. But but you know, just in in general, the 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 whole team. Like think about the version of Travis Kelsey that we've gotten the last two games in particular, when it's winning time all season long. What's wrong with Kelsey? Has he lost his step? We, he doesn't, he's not playing with the same speed. I think he was saving himself for this moment. It's time to win. It's win or go home time, and that's why we see Travis Kelsey, the most prolific pass catcher in the history of the postseason, out there running around, catching balls every which way, first touchdown, making those plays that we've grown accustomed to the game winning play. So, for sure I, I think, you know, it, it is um for for the for the Chiefs, I, I mean, I think they're just in in their own um space and and you know, Shanahan has been here and Shanahan has guys on his team that have been in Super Bowls. Uh so that I'm 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 sure, you know, that veteran assistance is is helpful as well, but I don't know, man. <laughs>
0: it's the Chiefs. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't disagree one bit there. And I think that it was hard for me because this is not something that is quantifiable. So it's hard to incorporate this into a model. But it's one thing that I underestimated a little bit in the game last week, clearly, when the Chiefs played the Ravens. And that was that the Ravens were a team who talked to talk, said all the right things, uh, were, looked like they were prepared to come out the gates hot, the Chiefs knew what it took to get that gear one notch higher, and they were able to start the game on that 11 out of 10. And the Ravens seemed like that shook them a little bit. The Ravens just never seemed like they were able to raise the level of aggressiveness and 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 in competition or just some unquantifiable element to the level that the Chiefs were at. And that's just it reminded me so much I thought like midway through the game and I absolutely love Lamar Jackson, was one of the first guys talking about Lamar Jackson. Um, and and I still think that the coaching staff completely fucked that whole situation up, weren't running the football early enough. And then for some who knows reason, we're not encouraging Lamar Jackson to scramble. He's like dropping back there by in time to throw the ball like on a two air yards pass to his, his second running back instead of taking eight, nine yards on the ground when it's there just tell it lamar to fucking run the football um so i didn't understand the coaching but it obviously was clear he did not have a great day but you know during that game i'm sitting there thinking you know this is this is like what jordan had right like what jordan had how do you win all those titles how do you consistently deliver that level of performance it's not that to your point like it's not that um you are familiar with the territory and you uh, have played in these games before. You simply know what it takes to win those games and you know the level that you have to deliver. And it feels like the Chiefs know that level and these other teams, we're not quite sure if they, they could say the right things and they can act before the game like they're ready for it. But like they are they going to be able to deliver it? And it's not just the players, it's the coaches as well, clearly, as we saw from the Ravens. So it's like Kyle Shanahan, are you going to fall into a hole? Are you going to be call play call plays the incorrect way? Are you going to make adjustments quickly enough in this game? Are you going to go for it when you need to go for it? These are types of things that like Patrick Mahomes on the other side of the field might shake you a little bit. So that part of the game is hard to quantify, but I definitely concur with you there. One final one um, here for you is... Another difference in this Chiefs team than in years past is the fact that they just simply are not built to overcome large deficits. And it's wild to see how much they've fallen from years past. But remember back to that first run when we saw Mahomes win the Super Bowl, ironically, in 2019 against this 49ers house they erased double-digit deficits in all three of their playoff games. We were like, holy shit, they're down by double digits. Oh, that's nothing. They'll come back. Sure enough, they come back. Not only do they win those games, they won all three of their playoff games by double digits. So they were down by double digits and then they won by double digits. It was remarkable how this team was able to just turn on that gear and keep outscoring their opponent to an extent where like, the games were not even close by the end of the game. Um, last year's Chiefs, they went four and one when their opponent led by double digits. They were five and one when their opponent led by over seven points. And they still, even last year, they weren't quite as explosive, but they were still able to overcome large deficits even last year. But this year's team, they are only two and four when their opponent has held a lead of over seven points at any point in time in the game. And the only two wins came against inexperienced, backup quarterbacks with terrible defenses. The first was against Aiden O'Connell, who is a rookie for the Las Vegas Raiders. And the second was against backup quarterback, Jake Browning and the Bengals. Both those defenses were garbage last year. uh, And this was the first year that each of those quarterbacks was actually playing. Uh, They're just not built to play from behind And I've been diving into like, why is that? What is this team doing differently? Because it's on both sides of the ball. Um, primarily the offensive side of the ball, but like they're so good defensively at keeping opponents from scoring in the second half, but why can't they score offensively in the second half? Number one, they rank bottom 10 in success rate and yards per attempt on passes thrown 10 plus yards downfield. Like if they get down and they're trying to come back into a game, their offense stinks trying to throw the football down the field. It's one of the reasons why they have the lowest A dot in the NFL. Like all their passes are short and underneath. They just do not stretch the field to throw the ball down there. They're not good at doing it. So when you're losing games, especially by more than one score, you're feeling the, just being compelled to throw the ball down the field. And the Chiefs aren't good at doing that. When they're trailing in the second half, they rank 29th in passing success rate. They rank 27th in yards per pass attempt. Like, you would think that these are the times when they would be kind of cranking up the offense and scoring points, you know, and just stepping on the gas, but they're just not capable of doing it. It's pretty remarkable. The other thing that's interesting about this team is when they do play with a lead late in the game, their average target depth house is only 1.8 air yards. So they're throwing everything super short. And it's part of the reason why they're not converting third downs very frequently. They're getting forced into too many third downs and they're punting the football and they're playing this field position game in the second half of these games Uh, And relying more on their defense. But the problem is, we just saw the Niners twice in a row come back from deficits in the second half. So I don't think the Chiefs can afford to play with their food and play conservatively if they do have a lead. But it's just interesting how much this, how important it is in this game that the Chiefs start very quickly and never let up because if they get themselves down, I just think it's going to be a challenge. They have not shown that they're capable of overcoming that like they had in years past.
1: Well, I, it, it's great that we're talking about this point last because it ties into um, you know a couple of your the, the, the original observations. In the first place, the receiver room stinks compared to previous receive, years of, of Chiefs receiving rooms. And that's a function of the cap uh flexibility, right? We have all these we have retreads and a rookie. That's the receiving room. And and it's and it put a lot of pressure on Travis Kelsey. And he's 34 years old. So to me, it looks like it was an affirmative decision to preserve Kelsey, to pick, pick their spots. But in t- this, in terms of like the game condition you're describing, like a coming back from from uh you know, sizable deficit, two of the games that they lost um, came down to, you know, plays that the receivers blew. They lost to to Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions um, because Kadarius Tony couldn't hold on to the ball and they lost to uh, the, the the Bills um, in, and they were down in both of those instances, had a chance of, of doing that old kind of Chiefs comeback. No, they weren't down by 14 or anything. In the second half of those games, but they did come back in both those games and had the ball with a game uh, outcome in, in the balance. And the receivers um, let them down because the Tony uh, lining up offside on the game-winning play. Um, but I, you know, it's a function of of kind of the version of the Chiefs that that must exist if you're going to pay Patrick Mahomes what what he deserves. So it, it's fine. But your point is is the right one because for sure. Um, we haven't seen it's the least explosive version of the Chiefs um since Patrick Mahomes has, has been the quarterback. There's no that the the data is is flush in that regard, right?
0: Yes, no doubt about it. So now I want to pivot to some of the early action that you've been looking to get down on this game. Um and you know, before the show and the pre-show, you were telling me about how you have, without getting into dollar amounts, how you have been getting down a little bit every single day on the Super Bowl. So tell the people out there, the betting buddies, what you have been getting down on every single day and kind of what your philosophy is behind that.
1: So in the first place, uh, I had a very square reaction to the outcome of that Ravens-Chiefs game. And the square reaction was, God damn it, why didn't I bet enough? Why didn't I get down enough on Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs? It's Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs catching all of these points and, and great number on the money line. And so as soon as the line opened with San Francisco as a favorite, and I will say, and you know this because of the show we've been doing, I've been very skeptical of San Francisco. I thought that they were absolutely ripe to get um, beaten by Green Bay and you know there were scripts that we talked about on this show that were pathways to success for the Lions. Now the Lions, um, I was worried about because of their secondary, but I I thought it was laying more than a touchdown was very uncomfortable to me. But so when we this line opened at at two and a half and and plus one twenty or whatever money line, bam, I have to be on that. I have to because I didn't I don't know how long um the chiefs are going to be in this dog position when we, you know, went to bed Sunday night and woke up Monday and the phenomena that I described to you, I seriously am factoring in the impact of this crowd of, of people flooding into the market that are not traditional betters that are going to move the market. We talked about it. I mean, I think they're really, I think that's going to have an impact. So I was, I've been, you know, doing my work every day to see if my conviction as it relates to the chiefs and the Niners is, is changing any, but every day, the number is still, you know, hovering. It's plus money on the money line and I'm catching points. And I, I might've laid off on the one day where it got down to one and it was plus a hundred on the money line, even money. I might not have put anything in there. Um, but I want to be cautious. Like, I don't want to just jump in with the whole bankroll because of my conviction as it relates to the Chiefs, I want to be measured with it. So each day, another little increment. Today was a good day. Minus two and a half in the money line up. Uh, you know, I'm catching two and a half, and the money line's well into like plus
0: one fifteen, plus one twenty. I'm not sure where where it got to, but um, so is your is your general philosophy. You have like, let's pretend you got. You take your bankroll, whatever you want to put on the Super Bowl side, and you're dividing into ten. And every one one day for ten days before the Super Bowl, you're putting in one tenth of that, and you're just trying to get the best number. And if there's a day that you don't like the line where it's sitting at right now, then you might hold off on that day. Wait maybe till the next day. Is that what? What is the logic there? I'm playing it that way this year because yep. I expect this to flip. I think that that Kansas City is going to end up favored. And but I if just, that's if that's the case, if that's the case, wouldn't you want to bet all the amount at two and a half right now because you know that you're getting at least two and a half now as opposed to if you think Kansas City is going to go to favorite, why are you holding back some of that uh, money that you want to get down on the chiefs? But caution,
1: just caution. <laughs> just being I, I just don't, you know, want to blow. The whole thing uh, and miss out on something. I mean, every day is incrementally another day of information. It, I didn't play the Super Bowl last year in this way, and last year the number flipped between Philly and and Kansas City, and that our handicapping of that game. I mean, I, I threw my hands up. I didn't know, you know, I, I I didn't have a strong position on a side in the Kansas City Philly game last year because it was, you know, th- those two teams were super even. um, This is a different phenomena altogether for me. I think the wrong team is the favorite. So I want to make sure that I have enough down on the team that I think, um, you know, is is the right side. Uh, But again, I need to be cautious about it because, like like I say, every day, another set of information, we get closer and closer, more information, better um, information. To make a uh, reason judgment. And then you will see where I am as as the weekend next weekend arrives.
0: There's no doubt. So two two quick points. Number one, as it related to last year's Super Bowl, I wanted to fit this in here. Uh we saw an interesting parallel to this year's Super Bowl occur last year. Last year, the Philadelphia Eagles had the NFL's number one best rushing attack and they had the best offensive line. And not that the 49ers have the best offensive line, but they certainly have the best rushing attack in the NFL right now. And the Chiefs go into that game with an average run defense, which has played an easier schedule of rushing attacks and had a below average run defense against early down running back runs, very similar to what their current defense has. And in that Super Bowl, They held the Philadelphia Eagles running backs to 45 total yards on 17 rushing attempts. That's 2.6 yards per carry. They gained minus 0.26 EPA per rush, 35% success. Of those 17 running back rushes, the longest rush house was only 9 yards. Kenny Gainwell averaged 3 yards per carry. Miles (laughs) Sanders averaged 2.3 yards per carry. Spags completely shut down the number one run offense, even with a below average run defense, he's going to have to do the exact same thing in this Super Bowl. It's, it's strange just how the parallels exist Now that game still saw a boatload of points because yeah. this chief secondary was not as good. And the Eagles just took to the air to move the football. Plus they had a running quarterback, uh, in Jalen hurts. And that Super bowl was absolutely outstanding. It's going to be hard to top that, uh, this season, Also, one other nugget to just add before I ask you real quick about a couple of prop bets that you might have been looking at uh, is if what you say is correct and we are going to see a lot of Taylor Swift money come in late on the Kansas City Chiefs in this game, I will just tell you from, from past speaking about Super Bowls, oftentimes the way that you want to bet the Super Bowl is you want to take either the dog plus the points or the favorite on the money line. And the reason why you don't necessarily want to take the dog on the money line is because a lot of bettors who are betting and are less experienced and are potentially betting for the first time or early on in their betting career, if they're even going to have a career, they might lose and flame out or they might just be betting on this one game because of Travis Kelsey, et cetera. Uh, They tend to look at this game and they say, well, I don't know what the fuck two points on a point spread what does, what is that <laughs> give me give, i don't want to lay uh you know minus 115 juice or minus what what is that just give me the chiefs to win the game plus 110 plus 105 whatever it is i put 100 in i put 50 in i make 53 that's what i'm looking to do here and so that's the kind of philosophy that some of these people have which is why if what you're saying is true and we're going to have a ton of these new casuals into the marketplace one of the worst best that you could potentially make in this Super Bowl, theoretically, would be closer to kickoff betting the Chiefs on the money line. That mm-hmm. would possibly be one of the worst bets that you could make. It's always usually not an ideal bet. The the Usually, the ideal bet is to take the dog plus the points because of the way the money line gets out of whack. But it's going to be interesting to see if that happens this year. Real quick, before we get out of here, I want to hear from you what what's one prop bet that you're really eyeing for this game that you've really ta- either taken a position on or you're planning to very soon?
1: Well, uh, obviously we'll hear about all of the usual suspects and folks will weigh in. I'm going a little bit deeper. Uh, I'm looking at at Noah Gray, the the second tight end for the Chiefs, who is getting snaps, and we're seeing um, you know more of Andy Reid using two or more tight ends 45% of the snaps against uh the Ravens top ranked defense so i like Noah Gray sitting there at minus 115 uh on uh receptions it's one and a half receptions the over is minus 115 um he had five targets last week and his second highest uh percentage of targets of the whole season was last week i just like the 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 momentum of, uh you know this trust factor between Mahomes and and his second tight end and I like it when we're not asking for very much we're asking for something script wise that 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 makes sense um yeah another one that'm I'm, I'm looking at um is uh the Purdy rushing yards uh 11 and a half minus 110 he he's rushed 11 times in the two playoff games and we saw him you know it was a very very effective play against detroit in the second half he kept drives alive they were crucial runs and so with the chiefs uh commitment to to the blitz they they're they're fine with leaving their corners in man coverage which means that a lot of times those corners have their backs turned um i like purdy getting over 11 and, and a half yards the way that i think that 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 uh coach shanahan will will show brock look Lamar was holding on to the ball too long. He had these runs. Look at these runs that could have extended plays. Purdy could do this. Um, he, hit, he hit it pretty good last week. I expect that to continue. So Purdy over 11.5. Those are just a couple that I've got in the book right now, Sharpie.
0: Well, that, that's going to whet people's appetite. And, and trust me, we are going to be back with a ton of props on our show that we're going to record next week. Actually, my schedule is I am working nonstop until I finish this report. Then it's going to be up at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Then I am flying out to Vegas on Monday, and I'll be in Vegas the entire week. And we are going to record this while I'm out in Vegas. I think we're recording it uh early, earlier than we normally do, getting up there for you guys to listen to earlier in the week, next week. And that is going to be full, chock full of prop bets that we like, of other bets that we've made for this game that we're interested in with a lot more predictions about the way that we think that this game is going to play out. This is kind of the little teaser to to set the mood, get the mood lighting there before we yeah. really serve up that... that uh, Buffet! That Vegas buffet! That great let's Vegas go, buffet. Baby. Let's go, yeah. let's go. So I can't wait for it. That's going to be a lot of fun. We'll have that out early next week and I'll do it. Thank you guys for listening to the Ringer Gambling Show and it will return next week. Thanks, of course, always to Joe House for joining me, to Chris Sutton and Steve Cerruti for producing this episode. Good luck with all your bets this weekend, guys.
1: You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Well, you can call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash R-G in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT-STEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9 with it in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call one 800 4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit